one of my favorite songs from camp days and college days is Heaven is a Wonderful Place Filled with Glory and Grace. I want to see my Savior's face. Heaven is a wonderful place. Three weeks ago this morning, I preached a lesson that was on a very uncomfortable topic, that of hell. It was a lesson that was requested. It was a lesson that many times people say, we don't study enough about hell. I'll agree that's true. Usually when I follow the lesson on hell, I follow the next week with one on heaven. Because as the Bible teaches us, God not only puts before us the punishments that are worthy of our sins, but God holds out for us a great hope, a hope of being able to live with Him eternally. In fact, I would suggest to you that thoughts of heaven are probably the most pleasant thoughts that you and I think. I looked at some of the songs that just came to my mind when I think about heaven. I wish I could be able to just fluently rattle off the lyrics. I sat on the front seat before I walked up here thinking I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm sure that most of you will think of some of these. There's a beautiful place called heaven, somewhere beyond the blue. You think about all the, the thoughts that are involved in those songs. The beautiful isle of somewhere. You think about being able to go to a place. We don't know where it is exactly, but it's a beautiful isle of somewhere. Heaven holds all for me. All my future is wrapped up in a place that is called heaven. When I was a little boy, I remember our song leader leading, Just over in the glory land, the paradise valley. Oh, what an ideal thought of being able to live in paradise in a beautiful valley where the water flows so freely. Sing to me of heaven and all the wonderful, beautiful thoughts that go along with that. When we all get to heaven, I look forward to enjoying heaven with many of you. And then finally, let's think about the subject of heaven is. You know, many years ago there were a number of lessons that were preached as I was going through a number of lessons to prepare for the future, I saw a series of lessons from the Fried Hardeman lectures many, many years ago. And it was on God is, Jesus is, the Bible is, and I would suggest to you heaven simply is. We're going to look at what heaven is, where heaven is, and for whom heaven is. Let's begin to explore this. You know when you prepare a lesson, you want an illustration that sometimes fits. They were asked two little boys, which, what do you think about what heaven is? And here's their reply. Heaven is a place with no baths, no girls, and no vegetables. 
I know you probably think that's children representing the things they don't like. Of course, they'll change their mind on at least a couple of those. But the truth is, when you look at heaven, it does reflect things that are bad will not be there. Or they simply will not exist. In fact, the Bible describes heaven about the missing things that are there. Let me just take you for a few moments through some of the writings of John as he gives in the book of Revelation. There will be no sickness, no sorrow, no death, no pain. In Revelation 21 and verse 4, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Sometimes our minds begin to understand and appreciate things as we get a little bit older. Some of you have had to bury your mother and your father. Some of you have had to say goodbye to your brothers and your sisters. Some of you have even had to say goodbye to a husband or a wife of many, many years. And a few have had to say goodbye to a child. And I can tell you there's perhaps no deeper searing pain in a person's life than to say goodbye to those who are the most precious to them. Heaven is going to be a place where there will be no more death. Because of that, there will be no more sorrow, no crying. All those tears that have been there, God will wipe them away. They'll be replaced with joy and happiness. And in fact, he says, there shall be no more pain. I wouldn't mention who said it to me this morning, but one brother came in and he made the comment to me that pain was something that he would not know how to live without. It's a part of his life every day. You just think about heaven being a place where there's no more pain. These old things have passed away. There's not going to be any sinners there. Someone might say, but we're all sinners. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3, verses 9 and 10 and 23. But you see, there's a difference between a forgiven sinner a penitent one whose sins have been washed away and as if they exist no more. Listen to Revelation 21 and verse 27. But there shall be by no means enter into it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. You're not going to have to worry about someone lying to you in heaven. Now don't have to worry about all those thieves stealing. There will be no more separation. As the Apostle Paul describes what heaven will ultimately be as compared to hell, 
You'll notice in chapter 4, verse 17, as Brother Jerry just read, he said, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Not for a temporary time. We'll always be with Him. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, in contrast, he says, These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. You're no longer with God if you're in hell, but... If you're in heaven, you're always going to be with Him. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 3 says there's going to be no more curse. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. It's easy to read over that. I know many of you have this past week had to go out to your little garden And you've had to pull the weeds because you know that that's a part of this creation. But do you realize that going all the way back to Adam and Eve after they sinned, there was a curse placed upon this earth that man by the sweat of his brow would have to provide and there would be thorns and thistles, weeds if you will. But you see, it's not just the weeds that we have to weed out of our physical lives. It's the spiritual weeding that has to take place. There's not a curse going to be there anymore. What a wonderful thought. Heaven is a place. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. It's a place where God is. It is a place where Jesus is. It is a place where we will be, where all is new. Occasionally, if you're traveling, maybe on vacation, you haven't made prior arrangements for your accommodations, you drive down the road and you look, and on this side of the road's a practically brand new motel, and on this side's a run-down old Motel, which one do you want to stay at? I can tell you most of us want something that's new. We want something that's fresh. Listen, as John describes in Revelation 21, verses 1 and 5. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was also no more sea. Verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Right, for these words are faithful and true. We're not going to a place that's worn out. In fact, let me suggest to you that the word corruption carries the idea of wearing out and it won't be there in eternity. 
People have been searching for many years for the proverbial fountain of youth. People are looking for some magic cream that they can put on your face. And no longer do you look like you're 70 years old, you look like you're 20 years old. They're looking for this magic pill that you can take and that the vigor and the strength that you had in youth all comes back. People have tried to pop every kind of pill, take every kind of drug to try to find that fountain of youth. Do you know what the Bible holds out? Revelation 21 and verse 6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Chapter 22, verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. The water of life, the water that sustains us through eternity will be there freely given. Then a man will arrive and be able to speak face to face with God. Paul in his illustration about understanding the revelation in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, Now we see through a mirror dimly or darkly. But then we shall see face to face. You know, right now, as we think about God, we have presented for us in the Scriptures an idea, a thought. But can you imagine what it will be like to be in the very presence of God? In Revelation 22, verse 4, they shall see His face. His name shall be on their foreheads. That's face to face with God. And it will be one eternal day. Some of you may have difficulty sleeping. You may feel like, I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. And we think of every few hours rejuvenating ourselves with rest. But you won't need it there. In fact, Revelation 22.5 says, There shall be no night there. They shall need no lamp nor light of sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Can you imagine being in a place where you never get tired, you never wear out, You never feel like the need to to sit back because you've worked so hard. No night there. And it will be a place of praise. Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 11 says, After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and before the Lamb, he says, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, 
And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God. I read this past week what I thought was a sacrilegious characterization of this. And one guy put it like this. Many people aren't wanting to go to heaven where they're going to have to spend all their time praising God. He said in their mind they think of one eternal long worship service with a boring preacher and songs that go on and on. That just totally misunderstands the gratitude that will be poured out on that day. Have you ever had someone to do something incredibly nice to you? I mean, over the top. They've given you more than you could ever imagine. And you want to thank them profusely. You feel like a simple thank you is not enough. You want to keep saying, I just can't believe this. Why did you give this to me? I don't deserve this. This is just more than my mind could ever comprehend. Folks, when you get to heaven and you see this wonderful place, you will gladly fall down and give God glory and praise and adoration because you will see God and who He is. Jesus and who He is. And where you are. And the blessings you enjoy. Where heaven is. The Jehovah's Witnesses and some of our misguided brethren expect that the heavenly paradise will be here on earth. The Jehovah's Witnesses, as well as some of our brethren, believe that this world will actually be burned, but that God is going to somehow refurbish it, put it back in a pristine state. I want you to listen carefully to what Peter writes in 2 Peter chapter 3. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. And both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness, looking forward, or looking for, and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we look, according to his promise, we look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. This world is going to disappear because it's going to be burned up. There will be nothing left of this physical universe. Heaven is above or up. You know, as I go through the Bible and I take it and read it, I've got to recognize there's some some terms that are used there that, that help me grasp the difference. 
For instance, in Ephesians 4 and verse 10, Paul put it like this. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all heavens that he might fulfill all things. Jesus descended, that is, he came to this earth. Then Paul said he ascended, but where to? Far above all the heavens. You're not just talking about the skies where the birds and the airplanes fly. You're not just talking about the universe, which is where the the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets are. It's far above all of that. It's where Jesus came from and where he has returned. John 3, verse 13. No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. It's not a physical place. When you go to 1 Corinthians 15, Paul is describing the great resurrection. He talked about the resurrection of Christ. And then he talks about our resurrection. You get to verse 50, he says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. It's a spiritual place, not a physical one. Very quickly, for whom heaven is. Heaven is for a prepared people who are going to make an effort to get there. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now you you might say, well, you know, what do you mean by find it? You just go back up a few verses. He says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Heaven is going to be a place where those of us who make it there are going to do so because we're looking for it. We're seeking it. We're trying to find it. In fact, he said just at the end of the previous chapter, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let me be very plain, very clear. It is not for the alien sinner. Due to immigration issues going on in our country, there's a lot of terms that have been changed. We don't talk about illegal aliens anymore. We talk about undocumented immigrants. But the term alien is a correct term. It's a term used in the Bible to describe someone who does not belong somewhere. They're an alien. In 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning with verse 7, 
And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. That means that if I am not a Christian, I'm an alien sinner, I don't get to go to heaven. Only those whose names are written in God's roll book. You know, we sing the song sometimes, when the roll is called up yonder, I will be there. Yes, you will. All of us will. But as those names are called, will my name be called? Revelation 20, verse 15. And if any was not found written in the book of life, was cast into the lake of fire. Verse 27 of chapter 21. But these shall by no means enter in anything that defiles, causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23 says, To the general assembly, to the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven. Sometimes you may go to a hotel, motel, and they will say, For registered guests only. That means only those who have their names written have those privileges. Second Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. Then one of the passages which I think certainly belongs in our discussion today. Philippians 3.20 says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to His glorious body. My citizenship today, physically, is in the United States of America. I'm proud of it. I have a passport, has my photo, has my name, has the location of my birth that says that I'm a citizen of this country. But I'm also a citizen of heaven because I obeyed the gospel and became a child of God. But neither is heaven for an unfaithful saint. There are numerous warnings given in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 gives a number of sins. And he says at the beginning, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Or you go to Galatians 5, 19 through 21. The works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness. And he says in the latter part of that statement, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In 2 Peter 2, 20-22, 
He talks about people who have escaped the pollutions of this world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they become entangled in them again and overcome. And he says the last state is worse with them than the first. Only those people who walk with the Lord. Romans 3, 4 says, or Revelation 3, 4, excuse me. You have a few names in Sardis who have not defiled their garments, for they walk with me in white, for they are worthy. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Do you want to go to heaven? It's your choice. Number two, are you willing to do what it takes to make it to heaven? If you're not a Christian, you're an alien sinner, you can become a child of God this morning through faith, repentance, confession, and being baptized into the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are an unfaithful Christian, you can take care of whatever it is that is preventing you from walking faithfully. If it's public, we can pray with you. If it's private, you need to take care of it between you and the Lord. If it's between you and someone else, you need to take care of that with them as well. We have an opportunity right now to make our calling and election sure. If you need to respond, would you do so while we stand and sing?